The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The human mind, body, emotions, and spirit are more powerful than anyone can imagine, and we can learn to use them in new and powerful ways to create the life we've always dreamed of. On our program today, with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon, we'll address who you are, how to come to know what you believe and why, how to accept and love yourself, and how you can make changes that help you create the empowered, happy, successful life you want. Now, here's your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome to the Self-Improvement Show. This is Irene Conlon. We're broadcasting from very sunny and very hot Scottsdale, Arizona, um, it's lovely here, actually. There's no rain. And looking at what's still happening in the east, that's a good thing. have a couple announcements. Next week, we're going to begin broadcasting at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time. So if you're a regular listen, listener to the live show, put that on your calendar. We'll be broadcasting at 1 o'clock. You can always get it as a download here at Voice America, or you can go to the Self-Improvement blog to see all the shows there as well and and take a listen. Um, the other thing is the website, the Self-Improvement blog may be down. I can see it. I understand others can't. We're working on it at, at this moment. I understand they're going to put it on the cloud, and don't ask me exactly what that means. Um, Because I really cannot explain the cloud. But anyway, we're going to be there. If you can get to the blog, take a look. You'll see a review of the human human magnet syndrome. You'll see a picture and bio of today's guest. And in the right sidebar, you'll find three videos by our guest, Ross Rosenberg. I encourage you to watch them. They're very, very informative. The featured article for today is also one he's written titled Codependency and Co-Addiction, The Dance. So be sure to visit the self-improvement blog. If you can't get on now, it should be available at any moment. The question we're looking at today is, why do we love people who hurt us? Why do good girls fall for bad boys? And why do men go for women who are demanding and bitchy? You know, why do we stay with spouses who abuse us psychologically, emotionally, or physically? You know, we have songs about this. We have movies about it. And many couples are right in the middle of experiencing it. You know, they're in great pain, but they just can't leave. So if your romantic life resembles a roller coaster ride in hell, keep listening because that's what we're going to talk about today. Our guest today is Ross Rosenberg. Ross is a business owner, administrator, professional trainer, addiction specialist, and psychotherapist in the mental health, social service, and child welfare fields. He owns Clinical Care Consultants, which is a full-service counseling center based in northern, the northern suburbs of Chicago. 
where he provides consultation and treatment in the fields of codependency and trauma, sex addiction, internet and internet addiction. And after this morning, I'm telling you, I'm not addicted to the internet and a variety of other areas. He's the author of the new newly released book, Human Magnet Syndrome, Why We Love People Who Hurt Us. Ross has a little bit of a cold, so bear with us. Um, if he sneezes, bless him. <laughs> Ross, welcome to the Self-Improvement Show. Well, thank you for having me on, Irene. It's, it's Before we pleasure. get started, I want to say thank you for making yourself so incredibly transparent and vulnerable in your book. Uh, it was your honesty and your sharing that made it really meaningful and powerful to me and I know to a lot of other listeners. It It's not easy to put yourself out there the way you did and many of us are grateful because you gave us some really clear understanding of what you mean by codependency. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Who is what? Ross Rosenberg? Who is Ross? Well, Ross is a... Uh is a guy who's uh, from the suburbs of Chicago and uh, who has, uh, he, came, he comes from, a, uh, unfortunately, a, a dysfunctional family. Um, Don't we all? Yeah, well, you see, I have a definition of dysfunction. I think that all of us have problems and all of us have uh, families that have issues, but the dysfunctional families don't seek help. Or, um, um, they don't rely on internal or, ex- or external um, um, help. And they keep having problems. So my definition of dysfunction are people that keep having problems and don't get better. But so wow. when I say dysfunctional family, I mean my my parents um, didn't know that they had these really serious problems, and it affected all of us growing up. And so Ross comes from you know a family of a you know, well-meaning, uh, so I believe now at age 52, narcissistic uh, father and codependent mother. And because of that, he grew up in a certain way in which he wanted to take care of people and listen to people and solve their problems and had no idea that he would um, become this adult who would um, naturally gravitate, almost magnetically gravitate towards women who he felt strong love for, who he believed were his soulmate, but would end up hurting him. And despite my my graduate degree um, in psychology, counseling psychology, despite what I thought are all my positive experiences as a psychotherapist, in the 26 years that I've been in the field, I, until 10 years ago, found myself habitually in relationships with women who seemed so perfect in the beginning, but later ended up hurting me. So Ross decided to do something 10 years ago, and that was the beginning of the ideas that eventually culminated in writing the book, The Human Magnet Syndrome. Interesting. One of the thoughts that just flitted through my mind is degrees are generally for the head and don't involve the heart. Um, so, you know, sometimes the head doesn't tell the heart what's going on. And we're going to talk about some things with big names, codependency, emotional manipulators, uh, dysfunctional compatibility. You've already pretty much defined dysfunctional. Does it go across the board to mean um, you, you really aren't functioning optimally, but you don't know it or don't seek help? Is that pretty much your definition of dysfunctional across yeah, the board? Yeah, and what I do is, is I, in my book, I try to give specific definitions for concepts because a lot of people use words like codependency, emotional manipulators, narcissism, and they have these broad definitions. And, and to me, that's pop psychology. And I, try and I totally best, agree. So I, I try to, like, I try to like 
kind of um, make the definitions tight and easy, easy to um, explain and understand. So dysfunction means a dysfunctional personality type. Dysfunctional um, dysfunction is when you do not have the internal resources, the psychological or emotional resources to solve your problem or use external resources. And because of that, you experience your, relate, your problems over and over again. That's what I call dysfunctional. That's, that person needs help. A person that has problems but has the resources, emotional resources to solve them or or reaches out to external resources, therapist, friends, minister, rabbi, that's a person that has problems, and that's a normal person. So I don't separate the world as dysfunctional and, and not having problems. That's not realistic. Oh, no. And it was interesting. As I was reading your book, I kept wondering, you know, is anybody normal? But ab- absolutely, yes, yeah, some people some people are. They ask for help, you know, and, and can profit from it. We're going to be doing a lot of talk about codependency. Mm-hmm. How do you define codependency? Yeah, codependency is one of these catch-all phrases that uh, started in, uh, in, the, in the 70s to describe the partner of an alcoholic, and then it kind of expanded to the partner of someone who's chemically dependent. And then thank, thankfully to people like Melody Beattie, Claudia Black, and other researchers, it expanded to, as a partner to someone who's manipulative, narcissistic, and controlling. So what I've done, I've, I've further defined it as a codependent, as a person who is habitually in relationships, romantic, personal, family relationships, in which um, they give so much more than they receive. They give love, respect, and care in great, much greater proportions than they receive. And they get mad, and they don't like it, but yet they don't know how to get out of that relationship. Now, they're kind of built that way, and we find so many of them in the helping professions. Oh, oh sure. yeah, Which is yeah. a natural migration. We're, it, it, talk then, too, about emotional manipulators and narcissists, and then we can be off and running when everybody has, you know, oh, sure. we're, when we're all on the same road. Okay, so, so the term narcissism simply means um, uh, someone who is self-centered, selfish, and, and really um, makes everything about themselves, and there's different degrees of it. The term emotional manipulator describes severe narcissism, pathological narcissism. And in my book, again, trying to be specific in my definitions, if you're an emotional manipulator, it means you have one of three personality disorders, a narcissistic personality disorder, borderline personality disorder, or an antisocial personality disorder, and or you are an addict of some type. These four conditions are severely narcissistic or pathologically narcissistic. So I call them emotional manipulators. And emotional manipulators are exactly opposite pathologically than codependents, because as much as emotional manipulators are all about themselves, are solely self-centered, the codependents are exactly opposite. They're all about other people. They're invisible. They don't have uh, a good self-esteem, a good ego foundation. So these opposite pathological conditions are naturally attracted to each other. And you have... Well, we'll get to that in a minute. You, you talk about conscious and unconscious preferences when you choose a partner, and mm-hmm. both of these groups have those. You know, what are the the major? Well, we're pretty clear on major conscious factors, but you know, talk about those and the unconscious factors that m- make them draw. You know, make them drawn to each other. Mm-hmm. Well, what we believe is that 
um, we choose a partner based upon conscious preferences, you know, height, weight, religion, political affiliation, you know, uh, race, ethnicity, anything that, that you have a preference. But what happens really is that's the starting point um, um, to a potential relationship. What draws people into a romantic, long-term loving relationship is what we, many of us call chemistry. It's just that feeling. Well, that feeling really is, is a result of very powerful unconscious dynamics, unconscious forces uh, at play, which I call the human magnet syndrome. And that, and that is a matching of personality types. And just like the magnet that has a north pole is always going to be attracted to the magnet that has a south pole, that a person who is on the giving others, or, or I say codependent side, is always going to be magnetically attracted to, reflexively attracted to someone who's on the self or narcissistic side. And, and these two come together as a perfect, com- dysfunctional, compatible relationship. And on on that note, we need to go to break. But if you can get on the blog, this is a good time to go take a look at that first video that has Ross using magnets to demonstrate this point. Very clear and very good. Um, We're going to take a break now. This is Irene Conlon with my guest Ross Rosenberg saying, stay tuned. We're going to be right back with more. Build your better business. Achieve that goal. Make good on that resolution. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. Wealth Solutions for the 99% is a weekly talk show focused on helping you develop and execute a game plan to build wealth. Your host, Paul LaJoy, who built a $50 million-plus company in less than five years, believes it's impossible to be poor in America, and he'll show you why with his innovative strategies. Joining Paul as co-host is radio personality Kim Reed, an experienced entrepreneur and corporate leader who's known as the Corporatepreneur. The show is upbeat, fun, and informative. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. The challenges facing our teens today mean that more than ever, we need to be there to support them and encourage them. The Dr. Stem Show is here to provide discussions about topics that will help promote healthy relationships, self-image, and success for teens, parents, and the community. Our young people can achieve more in life than they ever dreamed possible. The Dr. Stem Show, hosted by Dr. Stem Malatini, will foster these discussions and encourage your participation. Listen every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific, and 9 p.m. GMT on Voice America Empowerment. Build a better business. Achieve that goal. Make good on that resolution. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. You are tuned in to The Self-Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Got a question for Irene or her guests? Call into our live show at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Connect with Irene via email. Our address is theselfimprovementblog at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to The Self-Improvement Show. 
Here again is Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome back to the Self-Improvement Show. My guest today is Ross Rosenberg. We're talking about the human magnet syndrome. We were talking about the, the attraction between people who are codependent and those who are man, uh, emotional manipulators. Talk about the attraction that you call the human magnet syndrome, Ross. What, what is that? How does it work? Let me start, before I talk about the human magnet syndrome, let me talk about the first idea that, that I had that led to the human magnet syndrome, and that okay. was to understand the attraction of opposite personality types, dysfunctional opposite personality types, is to understand, um, use the analogy of a dance. So if you think of a dancing partnership, you need uh, to make a good dancing partnership, you need someone who's really good at, at leading the dance and someone who's really good at following the dance. And if you are both intuitive in your roles, what we have is a you know um, dancing a great accomplished dancing pair. But so let's use that as an analogy. The, the narcissist controls; he's the taker. He needs to lead everything and make it about him. So this uh, the only person he's going to be able to be in a relationship with that will coordinate, psychologically coordinate with him is a giver, is someone who's patient, who listens. So the giver and the caretaker and the taker and the controller as this these metaphorical dancing couple make a perfectly well perfectly coordinated dysfunctional couple so then we take this dance concept and now we look at the magnets and we think of the codependent as being this opposite you know they're all about other people and the emotional manipulator being opposite to them they're all about themselves and we use you know, that the metaphor of the magnets, the North Pole and the South Pole, and the two always are going to be magnetically drawn to each other. So we put this together, and what we have is an understanding that codependents, because of their psychopathology, their psychological dysfunction, are unconsciously attracted to narcissists or emotional manipulators. So when a codependent first meets an emotional manipulator and they and there is that dysfunctional compatibility, they feel intensely attracted to them. It's not as if they say, my gosh, I met a narcissist. You know, oh, no. No, they say, you know, he, she's gorgeous. She's, she's bold. She's sensual. She, she takes charge. Everyone listens to her. She's the perfect person. Or a, man code, a male codependent might say, I mean, a female codependent might say, he's edgy. He's confident. He's charisma. I love that cockiness. So, so what happens, and, and conversely, the, the emotional manipulator, when they meet the codependent, they don't say, oh, I finally have someone I can control, who I can belittle. No, they find someone, oh my, they might say, oh my gosh, I met someone who, is a li- who listens to everything yeah. I say. They, she, one, one said to me, I finally met someone who listened to all of my, about all of my divorces, and she didn't question, about, question me about my four divorces or my eight bratty kids that want child support. And I finally met a woman that held my hand and cried with me. Now, so, and and it was love at first sight. So when these two opposite dysfunctional types meet, they fall in love because it feels so right. It's the magnetism. It's the dance. That's the emotional magnet syndrome. Now, are most of the emotional manipulators generally men, or is there an even division between the two? Well, according to statistics, I mean, if, I mean, remember, emotional manipulators are comprised of four diagnostic categories. But, um, but if we look at narcissistic personality disorder, which is the bulk of most emotional manipulators, 
according to research, that of sixty uh, percent of all narcissists are men. Now, now is is this partly because of our culture and the way men have been taught to take control and women have been taught to submit and follow? See, I think it is about our culture because our culture has been, for historically, a misogynistic, male-dominated culture. But I also think that. It, it might be more even than we think because women who are narcissistic tend to hide their narcissism in, in what I call, um, in, in a, a form of narcissism that we call covert narcissism, where they, they be, pretend to be loving, caretaking, altruistic. They're always doing things for everyone else, and they're pretending to be this wonderful, giving person, but it's really all about themselves. These are the people that are very selfish underneath their facade. And they're hard to pick up because they seem on the outside to everyone else, you know, you know, whether they're on TV, they're, you know, a rabbi, a minister, a teacher. So, but according to statistics, 60, there's a, a four to six ratio of women to men um, as, as, as narcissists. Interesting. I, I would assume that the men who are the codependents are the ones that we call henpecked. Um, well, henpecked is is a term that has little clinical value. Um, <laughs> it has very little does, value of any kind. But. No, but 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 it's it's not. It's, so let's use it. The henpecked means someone who's kind of uh, manipulated and who's pushed around and doesn't have a voice. So yeah, that's codependent. So yeah, so that type of person that some people would call henpecked, we um, are probably going to be codependent. Now, you make the statement that, you know, these people are basically built to be attracted to each other. And if their relationship stands the test of time, they become dysfunctionally stable. What does dysfunctionally stable look like? Well, first of all, they become dysfunctionally stable in the beginning. Um, The relationships, all relationships are balanced. Uh, uh, Stable relationships are balanced by a combination of... Of, of the personality type. If, um, the, um, if you are an, um, a mild uh, giver, um, you're going to be attracted to a mild taker. It doesn't mean it's dysfunctional. So when, when you are balanced unconsciously in your personality types, it's stable. Dysfunctional stable is when you are balanced in your dysfunctional personality type, as we said with the dance and the, and the human magnet syndrome. So that the word stable means the relationship is likely to last. Um, it's going to. It's going to. Um, breakups are going to be minimal, and if breakups happen, that there's a probability that they will get back together. So stable is not a qualitative statement. It's not. It doesn't talk about what's good about a relationship. It just talks about its duration and its and its and its duration. So dysfunctional people, when uh, codependents, when they come together with uh, emotional manipulators, create a stable relationship because. Both are meeting their dysfunctional needs, and they feel connected to each other and familiar with each other. And then what happens down the line with these re- relationships? Well, as, as, long as, as long as a codependent stays codependent, um, and, the, and the, um, the relationship is going to stay stable because a codependent typically has very little self-esteem, um, doesn't never learned how to set boundaries, doesn't feel confident about standing up for him or herself, and is easily talked um, talked uh, talked into doing things for others. So, 
what makes it stable is, is their codependency is, is, is paired with the narcissism who is the exploiter, the controller, the, the, the uh, self-centered person. The only time the relationship starts to get unstable, paradoxically, is when the codependent gets better. That's when all bets are off. And when the codependent starts to realize that, um, that, there's, that he or she sh- um, should not be hurt, minimized, or um, um, uh, hurt in any way, they start to stand up for themselves. And then it becomes a rocky relationship. And either, either the relationship gets better and the narcissist gets better, which is unlikely, or it ends up breaking up. Now, you have them ranked on a scale of one to five, and, and ca- you call it the continuum of self-theory. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us a little bit about that, and you know, wh- how do you know, can all of them get better with help? Well, the reason I came up with the continuum of self-theory is I wanted to explain all relationships from severely dysfunctional, codependents and, and emotional manipulators to completely healthy. And so what I came up with is a concept called um, we all have, have a self-orientation, and that is, um, that is our concept of how much we give and we take in a relationship. All of us are either oriented towards more giving in a relationship and more taking. It is neither bad nor good if you're more on the giving side or more on the taking side. But as you move to the outer extremities of this continuum, Say if you move to the left, which is the the, um, the 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 giving, the more you give, the more it becomes codependent. So the more you are selfless, the more you give, the more you don't want in return. The more um, uh, the more um, you are resembling a serious disorder. Well, likewise on the continuum, if you move to the other side, the more that you are about yourself, the more you are narcissistic, and the more you are an emotional manipulator. But the continuum measures how people fit together. Mild, mild, people, mild people who are givers are going to fit really well with mild people who are takers, and that's just a measurement of a healthy relationship. There's nothing wrong with a relationship with someone who's a stay-at-home mom that likes to volunteer, that loves to take care of her kids, that loves to make dinner for people. That's not, doesn't, that doesn't mean she's codependent, but she's going to need a partner that fits with her unique personality, so she's probably going to find a partner that's a a self-starter, someone that likes to do things for themselves as a business person, um, uh, a writer, uh, um, and, and that is going to be the, the, the connection. So the, the continuum self explains the attraction of all personality types, um, including the dysfunctional, uh, the dysfunctional or pathological and the healthy. Now, you also talk about a zero-sum relationship, and I find this fascinating. Talk about a zero-sum relationship. The zero-sum so if you if if you look at the continuum, and the continuum is 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 is, is there's a zero in the middle, which is a complete balanced self-orientation towards the needs of others and the needs of self. And to the left, it goes one to negative five. Negative five is codependent, and it goes from one to positive five, and positive five is an emotional manipulator. So the zero-sum relationship says that for a relationship to be stable, as I use the word stable, means it's going to last, it's going to uh, resist breakups, the relationship has to be perfectly balanced. The negative five is always going to need a positive five. In other words, that dance, the magnetism, the codependent is going to need an, an emotional manipulator for the relationship to last because it's an equal balance of dysfunction. So it's negative five and positive five is zero. 
But let's say you're a therapist and um, you like to give, you like to volunteer, you like to help people, but you also can set boundaries. So you're on the other side of the continuum, and let's say you're a negative two. What's going to make this relationship balance is someone who's the opposite of you, who's a positive two, that likes to take charge, that knows what um, he wants or she wants, that is a go-getter, that likes to talk. That is, that's the balance, the negative two and the positive two equals zero. So zero-sum balance is, is a mathematical representation of balance in a relationship, whether it's dysfunctional or healthy. It also represents when relationships become unstable. If someone is a codependent and they're a negative five and they get into therapy, well, what happens when the person who is all about other people starts to stand up for themselves, starts to set boundaries, starts to challenge the narcissist? Well, the relationship gets unstable. So they become, they go from negative five to a negative three. When you add negative three and, and positive five, you don't get zero. So zero-sum relationship is just a, it's just a kind of a fun way of proving that stable relationships require balance. I want to talk a little bit about what happens when somebody gets better. It's time for us to take a break. When we come back, we'll talk more with Ross Rosenberg about getting better. We're on Facebook along with some of the greatest minds of the world, and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. We let so many outside factors mold and shape our lives. Technology, instant delivery. We live in an on-demand world. What's happened to the compassion, the kindness, a better pace? Listen to Might Radio with host Gabriella Von Ray. We'll bring that kindness and compassion back to our world. Our guests come from around the world and will discuss what's being done and what we can do to bring our lives back to order. Might Radio is broadcast live every Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Is there a real magic formula for success or is it something more? Does the divine nature within, when activated, become a powerful unified force that catapults an individual to greatness? Join visionary host Sharon Rose Washington, author, empowerment life coach, and energy healer to explore the answer to the big question of why we are here. She'll have amazing luminary guests ranging from business thought leaders to top celebrities. Tune in every Friday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. What if you were willing to be controversial, choosing kindness instead of judgment, willing to stand out from the crowd, being a leader in creating a new reality, even if others don't follow? You can make a difference. Start by tuning in to The Value of Controversy. Each week, our hosts will bring you the tools to help create the world that you want to live in and explore what's possible when you choose from the controversy of consciousness. Listen for The Value of Controversy every Tuesday at 12 noon Pacific time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel, voiceamericaempowerment.com. You are tuned in to The Self-Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Got a question for Irene or her guests? 
call into our live show at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Connect with Irene via email. Our address is theselfimprovementblog at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to The Self-Improvement Show. Here again is Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome back to the Self-Improvement Show. This is Irene Conlon. My guest today is Ross Rosenberg, who's a psychotherapist in the Chicago area, who's written a wonderful book about the human magnet syndrome and how we're attracted to each other. During the break, we were talking about something that I think we really need to share with you, and that's that we're not talking about clinical diagnoses here or people who have been labeled by a therapist as codependent or labeled as a manipulator, but we're basically talking about something that applies to everybody. Can you elaborate on that, Ross? Yeah, and and, and it goes back to the continuum of self-theory. I tried to uh, create an explanation of why all people are attracted to each other, and and it goes back to the definition of a self-orientation. We, all of us, whether we're um, have psychological problems or we're completely normal and balanced, um, are connected more to, um, uh, uh, we tend to be more oriented towards other people's needs or more oriented towards our own needs. And that doesn't necessarily mean we have psychological problems. And the more we're connected to uh, um, other people's needs, the more we move into an a unhealthy uh, direction, the more we're connected to our own needs, the more we move into an unhealthy direction. But there's so much room for just normal, regular people who, you know, who are caretakers and, and they, but yet are healthy and can set boundaries. And these folks are going to be always attracted to the people that tend to talk a lot about themselves, tend to make things about themselves, but aren't the diet-in-the-wool um, narcissists or emotional manipulators. So not... We're not all either a narcissist or a codependent. We all are attracted to someone that fits our personality. In the book, I talk about what I call the natural but odd couple. You know, the, the odd couple, uh, Felix and uh, and Oscar uh, Madison. Yeah. Um, that was a relationship in which these two were opposite. You know, one was a caretaker, always cleaning, was um, you know compulsive in, in taking care of Oscar's needs, and Oscar was really gruff and grandiose and all self-centered, and all he talked about was himself. And you would think that relationship wouldn't work, but their opposite personalities made the relationship work. And as much as they complained about each other, they felt a closeness or an affinity. Well, that describes a lot of our relationships with our friends and our families, that our opposite personality types fit with each other, even though it might be annoying. And that might explain your marriage. It might explain your boyfriend. It might explain your boss. It's our opposite types draw us together and sometimes make us uncomfortable. And that, in some ways, makes us normal and healthy. Yeah, and I would encourage people to get the book and read it. Tell us, before we go further, how people can get your book, how they can find you on the Internet. If somebody wants to contact you, how do they do that? Yeah, so you can contact me and get my book, um, um, and learn about me and my background at humanmagnetsyndrome.com. That's humanmagnetsyndrome.com. Now, this is cutting-edge stuff, and I really encourage you to get this book. You know, whether you're in a, a 
marriage that's described here or whether you're a therapist, I think is especially helpful for anybody who's working with other people, especially for marriage counselors. It would be good for school counselors. I can't think of anybody who works with other people who couldn't benefit from this book. So, you know, it's an, it's, it's an interesting read uh, and I, I, I highly recommend it. Moving on. What happens when, I would assume that in some of these marriages, they get into some trouble and they may need some marriage counseling. Yeah. Will the manipulator generally go even to marriage counseling? Can you get them there? So when we are talking about the most severe of the personality, opposite personality types, we're talking about an emotional manipulator and a codependent. One of the things to understand is emotional manipulators, by definition, don't realize that they have a problem. They tend to blame other people for their problem. They're very sensitive for criticism. They're very defensive. They tend to turn things around and blame others. And this personality type um, confuses others because it just makes no sense. Well, this personality type is resistant to psychotherapy because why would they go see someone when they don't think they have a problem? And because of this type of psychopathology, it makes psychotherapy unlikely because they're either not going to come to therapy, but if they're forced um, to come to therapy, they tend to take control of the therapy or they tend to turn the therapy around and make it about um, their issues or their problems. So, but when, but not every, remember, not everyone is a negative five codependent and a positive positive five uh, emotional manipulator. So if someone is on the narcissistic side, they have the capability of having insight, and they're going to be ideal for marital therapy as the codependent will be. It's just when you're dealing with um, the very severe emotional manipulators, it makes psychotherapy difficult, which means the prognosis of saving the relationship is kind of low. You know, if they're in a rocky relationship and they go to therapy and one of them really catches on to it, really does the work they need to to come out of it or, you know, to some extent come out of it. What happens then to this relationship? Because then don't they get imbalanced? So so if you look at this if you remember the zero sum balance, if the if the negative five severe code the codependent the severe um, others or self orientation, if they get better uh, through psychotherapy, and let's say they go from negative four to a negative three and start to learn more balance and want more mutuality, more reciprocity, more uh, sharing, that sets the emotional manipulator off. That's going to get them very angry and is going to be seen as a threat. And the emotional manipulator is going to is not is is going to has a lot invested in pushing the codependent back in their codependency because they don't want anything to change. If the codependent persists and sets boundaries, often what happens is the relationship ends uh, because the, uh, if the, emotion, the emotional manipulator cannot or does not want to get help or is unable to get help, then there's only one choice is for the emotional manipulator to decide if the relationship um, ha- has value and, and is safe enough to continue. And typically, in those cases, the relationships don't last especially when there's, they have financial, um, they have insurance or financial, um, um, have an ability to move beyond that. But when you're not an emotional manipulator and you're not a codependent, but you're opposite, that's where the marital therapy, the codependent, if the person who's a negative three, or say a negative four goes to a negative two, and their negative and their positive narcissistic partner um, th- um, gets threatened, 
because that person doesn't have a personality disorder, they're able, although kind of reluctantly, to get help, and then they can participate in marital therapy. And these narcissists who aren't so pathological can be a part of a healing reconciliation process that we see in marital therapy. So there is hope. There is hope, but I have to be honest that if you're a codependent and you're married to someone who fits the diagnostic criteria of an emotional manipulator, which is written in my book, I spend a lot of time giving exact information, um, it's unlikely that the emotional manipulator will get better because they're just so psychologically damaged they can't see, they, they, can't. Can't, they can't fix a problem that they don't see. Now, the, the, the question for me, and you, you talk about this extensively, and I appreciate it in, in the book, what happens to the kids in, in the middle of all this? I mean, they've got you know, the two the, opposites, the, and they're in the middle. Well, let's look at what happens to the kids when the codependent doesn't get better. And codependency and emotional manipulator disorders are what I call transgenerational, and they go from one generation to another. I'm a codependent and an emotional manipulator created by um, very dysfunctional parents who themselves, um, one is an emotional manipulator and one's a codependent. And when those two parents don't get healthy, it creates the early childhood environment that instills this, uh, this future psychopathology in these children. When these children grow up, they're going to act out the very same relationship patterns that they saw with their parents. But when the parents get better, when the parents go into therapy, that's when the children have um, their role models, their, their dysfunctional role models, become healthier role models, and that impacts their future emotional or relational, relational health. So to your question, what happens to the kids is really determined on what the parents do and if they get help and they're capable of getting help. If they don't, the kids get hurt, they get damaged, and they become the next generation of emotional manipulators or codependents. Is there a way to predict which way they'll go, whether they'll become more like the manipulator or they'll become more like the, the codependent? Yeah, there is a way. And, and in fact, in my book, um, uh, in the chapter is the origins of codependency or the origins of emotional manipulator, manipulator disorders. Um, I talk about the way the child copes with his or her emotional manipulator parent determines um, what side of that continuum they're going to fall on child that copes with their emotional manipulator parents' narcissism by being the pleasing, giving, likable child, the child that's able to make their parent happy, be the trophy child, the child that takes care of the parent, takes care of the siblings, that, is, is, that grows up learning that love means to take care of other people at the expense of yourself. Those early, that, that formative stage of their development sets them up in this, for a relationship template of codependency. The child who cannot cope in that way, they cannot learn to be pleasing, cannot be this trophy child, but instead enrages the parent and antagonizes the parent, uh, becomes the brunt of the, the parent's narcissism, gets beaten down and beaten up, and never figures out how to get the parent's conditional love. They get hurt much more than the codependent, and that they're set up for their relationship template is set up to be narcissistic because they don't know how to t- they don't know how to get love other than turning into themselves and, 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 and learning that the only person that's going to take care of them is themselves. And as they grow up, they naturally le- uh, become narcissistic in their relationships. And on that note, it's time for us to take another break. When we come back, we're going to talk more to Ross Rosenberg about the human magnet syndrome.
success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. Have you ever felt that it's time to get out of the box? Why are you putting that project off? It's already there in your mind. What are you going to do today to change your life tomorrow? Listen for Live Your Life with Melissa Brown. Get ready to expand the capacity of your heart and mind. Move yourself beyond the mundane and get prepared to do what you've been called to do. There is no time like the present, and the whole world is waiting for you. Tune in Monday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned in to The Self-Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Got a question for Irene or her guests? Call into our live show at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Connect with Irene via email. Our address is theselfimprovementblog at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to The Self-Improvement Show. Here again is Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome back to the Self-Improvement Show. We're talking with Ross Rosenberg today about why people are attracted to each other and that magnetism that we sometimes experience in relationships. One of the things that really struck me in your book uh, is the help you offer to therapists. And you have a golden rule of helping professionals, which you know really spoke to me. Talk a little bit about that golden rule and what therapists need to do to help their clients? Well, you know, I came to understand that uh, my own mental health was distinctly connected to my abilities to help my clients. And and the better mental health I had, the more um, I was able to work on my own personal relational problems, the more I empathized and understood and was able to actually uh, be more uh, effective as a therapist. So I, I came up with the golden rule for the helping professions is don't expect anything from your clients that you're not going to do yourself. Um, and, and so a, cl- a therapist has um, a responsibility to take care of their mental health because without that, uh, without, um, that uh, process, their own professional clarity is going to be affected. It kind of goes back to that little Latin phrase, non hobbit, non dobbit, you can't give what you don't have. Absolutely, or walk, or the AA term, you need to uh, walk the walk and talk the talk. Speaking of AA, are most, are, are many, I don't mean most, are many of the controllers or manipulators into some type of addiction? You mentioned something about that in your book. Uh, not necessarily. I mean, I know there, I know for like, for example, uh, the, uh, the variety of the emotional manipulators who are psychopaths or antisocial personality disorders, there is a higher a prevalence of an addiction uh, or addictive addiction disorder, but there's not necessarily what we call a causal factor. You can be a narcissist and not have an addiction problem, but when you are a narcissist and you're an addict, that's like that's a, that's double the psychopathology. Or yeah, they, you could be an addict and the addiction in itself is very narcissistic. You know, the image that I was getting was of the child who has to take care of the addicted parent yeah. and what they go through. Uh, yeah, and and, and, and I would think that's, that's not how, uncommon. 
No, and that child is, as we talked about how you learn to, to cope as a child, that by taking care of an addictive parent, that child is learning all about relationships and love and, and, and is sacrificing his or her own needs in order to take care of an adult. And, and that child will uh, more, more than likely become an adult who's going to be attracted to the narcissist and is going to identify more uh, as a codependent. Now, you do a series of, of seminars around the country, don't you, as well? Yes. Right. yes. Tell, tell us a little bit about what you do, um, where, you know, where you're headed next, um, what's, on, what's on the agenda for you. Um, and well, actually, um, all my seminars and my radio and TV appearances are on uh, the human maggot syndrome under the calendar uh, page. But uh, I, I am a uh, national seminar leader, and I've been traveling around the United States. In fact, by the end of this year, I will have traveled in two-year period to 27 states. And so once, once a month, I, I do a three-city tour, and I present the seminar, which the book was based upon. It's called Emotional Manipulators and Codependents, Understanding the Attraction. And, and you can learn more about that seminar by emailing me. Um, and, uh, and if you want to attend the seminar, um, I can connect you with the, the company, uh, PESI, who runs the seminars. Also, the seminar itself, I have it available on my website. Um, and I have a six-hour DVD of the seminar, um, which, is, uh, a, which is very close to the content of the book. And you know, I've only seen pieces, the, the parts that you have on YouTube. Mm-hmm. But it it looks really very good to me. Very yes, helpful. And, yeah, thank you for that reminder. I just have been posting um, 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 portions of uh, the seminar on YouTube, so you can subscribe to my YouTube channel, um, and or and you can find that on uh, on any of the websites, including the Human Magnet Syndrome. And you uh, can Google Ross Rosenberg and find out all kinds of interesting things, <laughs> like you can when you Google yourself. Uh, you have this wonderful phrase, uh, and I think you've called a chapter in your book it. It's never too late to be who you might have been. Yeah, it, it is from a wonderful um, uh, a writer, George Eliot, and it's a phrase that, that is uh, it's a defining phrase for myself. It's a defining phrase for my practice and my philosophy is that we all have the potential to be better versions of ourselves. Yes, we might have come from dysfunctional parents. Yes, we might have not had it so easy. But we have potential to grow. We are not stuck in the mold that was made for us um, as a child. We can grow beyond that. So it's never too late to be to find love, happiness, self-esteem, and, and, and actualize your dreams. And I think that's really important for people in some of these alliances to know. You know that there's still hope for them. You know they can, they can get well. They can, get, you know, they can get better, or they can leave. You know, why don't they leave? Well, that's why I, I, I in, the, in my book, I talked about um, a chapter which is a very revealing autobiographical chapter. It's called the evolution of the concepts, where I talked about my own story. Because I wanted the people to know that that I was able to to. to to overcome this, and I told them how in the process we can leave, and it takes guts, it takes courage, and it takes a good psychotherapist. But the people that don't leave are the people that are mired with fear and anxiety and could be in a very abusive relationship. So there's many factors that keep a codependent stuck in a relationship. And the poor codependent generally doesn't think he or she can make it on their own. 
So it's better to stay there than try. Unfortunately, um, that's the truth because the narcissist has a lot riding on keeping the codependent thinking that. And, you know, maybe they'll hear this art, maybe they'll hear this radio show. Maybe they'll read an article. Maybe they'll buy my book. And maybe they'll be inspired by something they saw on TV. But I, I say to all the codependents out there, it is never too late to be the person you should have been. Believe in yourself. You can heal and you can make it past this. And it will be hard, but there is, uh, there is something at the end of the rainbow for you. So is their first step finding somebody who can help them? The first step is to understanding the problem. Um, and that's why I wrote the book. Um, as um, The book explains what the problem is. You can't change a problem unless you know what it is. Exactly. So you don't, and so once you understand the problem, then the next step is to get help. And some people will get help first. And the, um, and, but, yes, get help with a qualified psychotherapist that understands the, the multilayered nature of codependency and the dysfunctional attraction that I define as the human magnet syndrome. And we're right up to the end of the show, Ross. What's the thought you'd like to leave with our listeners today? I, I, wanna, I want your listeners to understand that um, it takes a lot more courage to, um, and to change and to grow. And, and there's so much more to benefit by taking the next step than to be closed down in fear. Because you might feel safe in your fear because you think you won't get hurt because you're safe. But you're really not safe. You're losing in life. Open There's a lot of joy, yeah. Open I'm yourself sorry. up and be courageous. And in that anxiety of being courageous, you're going to have an opportunity to find love of self and then love of others. Fantastic. Next week's guest is Kira Newman, who's going to be talking about the honesty experiment. She asks, how honest are you? How honest have you been this week? It's going to be interesting. I have no idea where we're headed with this. So it's going to be fun for all of us. Remember that next week we will be on at 1 o'clock, our new time, 1 o'clock p.m., 4 p.m. Eastern time. Ross, thank you so much for being with us today. Well, and thank you very much for um, having me. It was a delightful show. It was wonderful having you here, and um, we're going to watch you. Hopefully, we can have you back in the future. Love to. Love to. This is Irene Conlon for the Self-Improvement Show saying thank you for being with us today. Come back again next week for more of the Self-Improvement Show. Thank you again for joining Dr. Irene Conlon for the Self-Improvement Show. Please listen again next Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Remember that improvement out there starts in here. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.